Welcome to CareerPod, brought to you by Transition Solutions. Your host for today's episode is a member of the CareerPod team, Mr. Gary Walrap. Today we are speaking with Beverly Furtado, a senior financial aid counselor in higher education. Uh, Beverly, we welcome you to CareerPod and we appreciate your participation. Well, thank you for inviting me. What I'd like to do is go back a little bit uh, into your early life and your educational preparation for this field. Could you explain that? Sure. I started, I went back to school, I was 35, and I went back to school not intending to get into financial aid. I had gone for a certificate. I earned my certificate in paralegal studies, and I was working at the end of my associate's degree, which was criminal justice, when the director of the school that I was attending contacted me and had asked if I was still interested in working at the school. And I said, yes, I had been a work-study student in financial aid. So I went from being a work-study student in financial aid to a financial aid counselor while continuing my schooling, I earned my bachelor's degree in liberal studies, and later on I earned a master's degree in higher ed administration. Well, that's a nice path. Uh, you certainly looked at higher education from a number of different viewpoints. Uh, mm-hmm. the, I did. Uh, the, uh, uh, the role you play, uh, the financial aid counselor, I think we hear a lot about financial aid and... Uh, Yet, many people, students, and even the general public, really don't understand exactly what you do. So what I'd like to ask you is about your tasks and your responsibilities and the role you play. Uh, Could you tell us about that? Sure. When a student fills out their financial aid application online, they list schools that they're interested in attending, and then the Department of Ed, when they finish their process, they forward the information to those schools. Then we contact the student and see if they are interested in coming, attending our school. And after that, they come in and sit down with one of us, and we then go over the financial responsibilities and the thing that most students are hopeful for is just free money, the grants. But unfortunately, grants alone don't cover a cost of education. They help, and that's all the government is telling you with your loans is that, or excuse me, with your grants, we will help you, but we cannot guarantee that we're paying it all on our our dime. Beverly, so, uh, yeah. excuse, excuse me, I, I just want to circle back a little bit uh, sure. in talking about the Department of Education. You're talking about the Federal Department of Education, is that correct? Correct. They administer, right. they administer this. And also yes. financial aid forms. Uh, you know, having been around higher education myself, I, I think the acronym is FAFSA or FAFSA right. form. And, right. And my understanding is 
that is a, that is a generic form that every college student in the country utilizes. Is that correct? Yeah, that form is okay. the start. Right. That's used. The results of that are used for state and federal grants. Oh, okay. And also, it helps to determine. That's what determines your loan eligibility. So. Right. It's used for a lot of things, and then schools, there are schools which have their own financial aid application that you fill out, and that is to determine internal funds that they may have to distribute. Okay. So it's the start, it's the start of the process, and it can be frustrating because people will look at it, and when they get their financial aid letter, they're expecting more than what they are eligible for so it it can be it can be a little frustrating sure so the grant is is basically the free money and then uh, then there's a a segment of that form that says you're eligible for this much in loans this this, Mm -hmm. is something in there maybe about uh recommendations for uh scholarships or other other types of money is that how it works Somewhat, what will happen is that the application itself can help to, it, it lets you know that you're eligible for the grants, both state and federal. Okay. And the, you'll get what's called an award letter. That's your offering of financial aid. Right. Whatever is listed there, you're not required to accept it. And so that's what we emphasize with the student and their family, that Everything that's here is what you're eligible for, but does not mean you have to accept it. So if you only want grants and you've been offered loans, you can decline the loans. Okay. Always being aware that whatever the grants don't cover, then that's your responsibility. Sure. So you have to be kind of diplomatic when you're talking to the students because They'll say they don't want the loans, and then you kind of have to come back and say, well, how are you going to pay the shortfall? Sure. And they're a lot of times very surprised that you're now asking them that because they thought it was an option that if I don't have it, that's okay. I'm still going to go to school. Yeah. You know, uh, Beverly, as I think about this, uh, it's a situation where a student – this is probably their first time as freshmen in college that they're really dealing with financial aid. So you have a, a lot of education and handholding to do, it seems to me. Because uh, yes. you're, dealing, you're dealing with with sensitive financial information, important decisions, and you deal with students and parents as well. Is that right? Yes, yeah. The student is the, is the actual person that you are talking to. Right. And the parents are secondary. The, the parents do sometimes get kind of touchy because sure. the information that is used is, if they are under a certain age, is their information as well as the student's information. And so if you're asking for clarification that has to do with income, in some cases, the parents can become, they're, they're kind of resentful of the fact that you're asking them for information. Sure. Um, we've, we've had parents that say, well, I'm not paying for 
Sarah to go to school. That's because she wants to go. Well, that's fine. However, Sarah is still required to provide your information. We're not saying you have to pay for Sarah to go to school. Right. The government says you have to provide the information. So it can be uh, uncomfortable at times. Uh, It doesn't happen too often, but it does happen where you'll have a parent, especially if it's a situation where the parents are no longer together. Oh, that makes it even more complex. That Um, makes it... Yeah. A question that comes to my mind here is, um, do the parents have to provide uh, proof of what they earned? Sometimes. And that's... Okay. That's that's where they're we will have to ask them for what's called a tax transcript. And it's something that, it's a printout that comes from the IRS. Okay. It is a breakdown of what their federal 1040 says. Sure. If they they provide no income on their financial aid application, then they're usually asked, well, how do you support your family? We're not being judgmental, but you ha- it has to make sense. You want the government to help. They, in turn, want to make sure that they should be helping. Sure. So sometimes it does become an issue if they, they try to pay. And there are some people that do it. They pay, play fast and loose with their finances. But you only go so far. You're not the IRS police. Right. So if you get a tax return, the transcript, and it verifies what they're saying, you can ask them, your income is quite low, how do you support your family? What do they, would, what do they generally respond to that type of question? It depends on the individuals. Most of them, I found, yeah. would be, they, they will be, you know, very forthright. They have assistance with housing or the okay. family all lives with other family members. Sure. It's not too often that you have a real problem with that information, but once in a while it does happen. And if they refuse to provide the information, you drop it, but you can't continue with the financial aid process because if you because you're records are going to be audited and if that particular file is one selected for the audit if you can't explain how you awarded aid based on this set of circumstances well then the government says if you can't if you can't justify the information as it is right you had no business awarding any aid okay so, so the federal government checks the colleges Processes. Yes, they do. Oh, okay. Yes, they, they audit. Do. They audit. So that's uh, that mm-hmm. makes it, uh, you know, legitimizes it and could pick up any uh, any problems. Uh, it picks up discrepancies. Yeah. And it will. It usually helps to keep everybody above board. Okay. Understand. In terms of a student going through, let's say it's a two-year school. Uh, they have to come in every every year and do an, another form and get another yeah. award. So it's every it's an annual Correct. event. 
Yes. The only time it's not, the only things that aren't annual are there, and it's not usually at a two-year level, it's at a four-year level. You will have students that are, are awarded scholarships. The scholarship is, all of the rules about it are set by whoever the philanthropist or the organization was that has set it up. And some of them, they just, they come right out and they say it's a four-year scholarship, providing you maintain a certain grade point average. Right. They will set the, 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 the guidelines and you follow. As long as you follow them, you get your scholarship every year. But for the most part, financial aid is applied for every year. Sure. And, and if there is a scholarship, that could be, it's above and beyond what the, what the government will give you in terms yes. of a grant uh, or, or a loan on top of that. So that's a separate issue, and it's done after the award is given. It's part of the award package, and what it does is it reduces what is called a financial unmet need. Ah. Everything, everything that you receive reduces your unmet need, which then in turn reduces the amount of subsidized loan money, which means money that is not accruing interest in the form of a loan okay. while you're going to school. Okay, I so, understand that. That's uh but we get complex here. This is not <laughs> this is not a simple um activity. It's not. No. No, it is not just it's not cut and dry. It no. just isn't. So, uh, you've been doing this for a number of years, and um, what do you think is the most satisfying part of your job? I think it's for me. It's always been I got I've gotten to know the student, and I followed them through their career, right? And seeing them walk across the stage, whether it's their nursing degree that they've received in their pin, sure, or it's their actual diploma and that to me means i did my job sure and that's that's the best part yeah and that education really uh, creates that pathway for the rest of their life Uh, it does and uh, you know i know you'd probably be sitting uh in the audience at the graduation that's and seeing uh, a few hundred of those go, students go through it must feel uh-huh. really good yep. for you. That's that's wonderful. Um, now, the flip side of that that satisfaction uh, is uh, maybe some points in frustration uh, that you can deal with. Uh, what would they uh-huh. be? Well, it gets very frustrating when you're trying to counsel a student who has received enough of the free money that even if they want to take out a loan, you're trying to counsel them, don't take out the maximum. And they are bound and determined, I'm eligible for it, I'm going to have it, and they don't listen when you say, well, it's fine. I mean, you're eligible, you can take it. Just remember, when you graduate, you have to pay it back. The government doesn't, and the government does not guarantee you are going to get a job in the field you have chosen. So whatever it is that you decide is going to happen, you're responsible. And it, it does get kind of frustrating when the, you, you hear the students, they're, they're complaining, they owe all of this money, and they make it sound 
like we've twisted their arm to take it, yeah. when in reality, and we make notes in the file and say, we've cautioned, we've counseled, but ultimately they're eligible, so if they want it, they can have it. Sure. So that can that that really is is kind of the most frustrating thing because you don't want to see them leaving school with any more debt than what they have to have because we can't guarantee they're going to get the ideal job. Right. Nobody can. So that's usually the most frustrating part of it all. Sure. And and I know in the aggregate throughout the nation you know, we always hear on the TV about the tremendous amount of mm-hmm. student loan debt in the United mm-hmm. States. And uh, I, I guess uh, it's become well, problematic through the years. Students, it is problematic. Students, they're not paying it back. There are issues mm-hmm. there. What's your general thought about that whole uh, side of it? Well, I tend to be rather unpopular on that aspect because what I have always said is, that it's the student's choice, right. the field of study, the, what financially, how much money they have incurred in debt. They choose the school that they want to go to. It's just the same as if you went to the dealership, the car you wanted was a $75,000 car, right. and somehow or other you got that car. But you can't afford to make the payments. Sure. And now the bank says, we want it back. Okay, that's and a... you're blaming them for your debt. <laughs> right. When you decided on school, you could get that education at a less expensive school, perhaps, right. and then save that more expensive school when you could better afford to pay for it. Sure. If you choose not to, we can caution you, but it's ultimately your decision. So if you end up with a lot of debt and the economy turns and you can't get the kind of job that you want or that you need to pay that debt, it's not the school's fault. Sure. And, and you make a great analogy uh, with the, the car loan. Uh, whether it's an education loan, it's like a car loan. And you have mortgage to, yeah, in mor- some respect. Yeah, it's yeah. the same thing. You have to plan on the monthly uh, budget and mm-hmm. what you can pay back. So, uh, okay. Uh, I also want to get your opinion, uh, Beverly, on the most important pieces of advice you would give to others who are considering uh, a career in financial aid counseling. Well, one of the things I would say is when they as hard as it is when they get upset because you have to say no right. for whatever reason, don't take it personally. They're right. not blaming you as a person. They're blaming you as an institution, and they're not taking in the whole picture. They're disappointed, and they're frustrated, and somebody's got to be on the receiving end. Okay. Don't be and don't take it upon yourself to feel guilty if they don't follow through so they can't complete what they wanted to do. Right. In terms of uh, their basic uh, basic personality and temperament, 
in, in dealing with, with the students, um, what do you feel would be an appropriate type of person? Well, you've got to be uh, talking basically for myself. I am a very blunt person. I'm not going to set out to hurt somebody's feelings, but don't sugarcoat. Right. Tell them, be factual, give them as much information as you can so when they make their decision, they have all that information. Right. And if, whether they choose to accept it and use it or not is up to them. But if you know you've given them as much information as you can to make their decision, then you've done your job. Right. And that could require some hand-holding. Uh, they, they it may, does. They may come back to the office two or three times, I would think. Sometimes more. Really? Oh, boy. Oh. Yeah. Uh, yes, I had a student once that lived in the same town that I lived in at the time, right. and she actually found my phone number and called me at home over the weekend. It was okay. an older student, and yeah. she was very nervous. Okay. But, you know, th that's rare. They, that doesn't usually happen. Uh, but they do, if, especially as it's getting towards the end. You'll have some students that all of a sudden the light bulb came on and now they're nervous. Sure. And uh, as, as the counselor, you are a counselor, you know, as you say, it's your responsibility to give them the facts. But also, uh, I think you can give them encouragement uh, mm -hmm. and, and suggest other ways to add to this package. Is, is that right? We do. We do. We, if they're eligible, we help them with work-study jobs, which can be on campus, and that helps a little bit. It's definitely not going to support you, right. but maybe it pays your textbooks. Yeah. Uh, what does work-study really consist of? Work-study are clerical positions. Okay. When usually, depending on the school that you work for, yeah. I work for a lot of, in inner-city schools, so they didn't students didn't have the luxury of cars to go off campus and stuff. Right. So they would be on-campus jobs in the library, okay. in the financial aid office, in different offices, doing clerical. They're not allowed to counsel students. Right. And, they're, in fact, they're cautioned that they may not. Now, does, this, does the college pay them, uh, give them a paycheck? or it yes. is Oh, it's a separate paycheck. It's, it's a it's a pay their their financial aid award letter will say they are eligible for work study and they may earn up to a certain amount of money for the year okay. and they receive a check every week okay. for the hours that they work that week and um, there are some schools that did used to do it I don't know if they still do but they used to do it it would be deposited into an account that students used for, they used it for their textbooks, they would use sure. it for different things. Yeah. But the schools that I've been involved with, we would give the student an actual check and they did what they wanted with it. It's okay. their paycheck, they do whatever you want. Well, uh, that's encouraging. And uh, I guess in your case, you really found a career when you were uh, in a work-study area. And it's a little bit like uh, internships uh, because 
Mm -hmm. The student is given a department to work in. Maybe it's accounting, maybe it's financial aid, maybe it's uh, admissions. And um, sometimes um, it sets them up and they, and they like that type of work and it's really a springboard for their career. Uh, it is. So uh, I think I've experienced and spoken to people who had that, had that happen. So I think that's a very positive thing that can come out of financial aid, uh, certainly. Works, well, work-study jobs also, in some instances, are the first time that the student has ever worked. Sure. Uh, especially a, a first-generation student okay. who's, who immigrated to this country. They came as a student uh, in elementary school or, you know, high school or whatever, and they'd never worked before. And so they, this, is, this was their introduction into the workforce. And there are a lot of students that have been very successful that has helped with the work ethic and budgeting and in all kinds of aspects, things that we take for granted because yes. well we just don't think about it. And right. But, yeah, for some students, the first job they've ever had. For some students, it's the first job after many years. Right. So, and it is a job. They, they have to uh, account for their time. They call in if they're not going to be there. They've got the same, similar requirements that of if you want to say a real job. Uh, the last question is um, the, the role of luck, either good luck or bad luck. Has that played a role in your career? It has. I started when I had gone back to school for the first time after many years out. I had been driving school buses. Okay. And I started... I had no idea where anything would go, and I really lucked out because I was working on a criminal justice role and decided that I didn't want to be working in an office as a secretary, and I just fell into, I knew one of my students that I was driving happened to be the students of the director of the college that I was attending. Okay. And I got to know her very well, and we became friends. And when the financial aid person at that time left, I was the one that she thought to call. And if it wasn't for that, I can't say as I would have ended up working in a college in a field that I grew to enjoy very much with all of the changes and the frustrations and the, there were a lot of there was a lot of good and um, so I was very fortunate okay and you and you were also were very uh, proactive in doing a good job uh, your way mm -hmm. on your way up and getting different degrees and uh, I understand that um, from what you had told me uh, earlier that you had assumed more of a, a manager level in, in, the, in the college. So you were very senior and you helped train the new people. Is, is that right? Uh, yes, that's, that's um, true. I did. I ended up at the top of the department and um, I had a lot of responsibilities with different groups 
and I even briefly did some some adjunct teaching. So okay. I I did the, um, I did a lot more than I had ever thought I would do. Sure. Well, it's a great story. Uh, and Beverly, uh, you have given an insightful look at the actual skills needed to succeed as a financial aid counselor. Uh, this information will be very helpful for anyone considering a career in this field. Once again, uh, thank you for your insight and your participation in Career Pod. Thank you for inviting me.